Welcome to the Radiant Mission Podcast. We are on a mission to encourage and inspire others as they navigate through this life and in their relationship with Christ. We are a faith-based podcast, so approach issues from a biblical perspective. And today we are continuing the conversation on birth and the goodness of the Lord with my husband, Mike Toomey. So let's jump into it. So fast forward, we did wait for a long time. Well, at least till Brooke was 18 months because mm-hmm. we knew we wanted to attempt a VBAC and not go through the C-section experience again. And Ever. Yeah. So when we got pregnant with our son, I just cried out to the Lord and I said, show me. Show me your way. Our way didn't work. Our way was not the way. <laughs> Yahweh, show us the way. <laughs> And he did. He did show us the way. He led us down new paths. He led me to some books to get educated about birth. And my biggest lesson in this is that through this experience, you know, through pain, sometimes pain is our biggest lesson. And through this, he really showed me how amazing our bodies are and how amazing the female body is and how... It is literally created to grow life and to give birth. It is. It wasn't, we're not lemons. Our bodies are not broken. And uh, there's a passage from Psalm that I want to read. I have to lean in a little bit. It is Psalm 138, 13 through 18. And I'm sure most of you are familiar with this. 139. 139. Thank you. My eyesight right now, not so good. Let me uh, see if I can zoom in a little bit. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber your grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And this verse just reminds me of we are the Lord's creations. And he didn't create us. We're not broken. We're not. He didn't create us flawed. He created us to heal. He created us to women to give birth and to birth these children. And our bodies are not lemons. We, we were created to do this, women. We were created to give birth. And that was just such an awesome reminder that he knew. He put every piece together. And, you know, I mentioned that in Ina May's book, 3% of women may have to transfer, or 3% of her clients transferred, which is a way smaller number than the C-section rate today, which is between 30 and 60%, depending on the location. Miami, Florida, it's like a 60-something percent C-section rate. I've actually, you and I have both talked to a number of women that used to work in labor and delivery, and they've told us themselves that They've left labor and delivery because of the things that are happening 
within these hospital systems that these OBs, these doctors, first of all, just so you know, an OB is a trained surgeon. And what was, I forget the guy's name. There was a, someone recently, an OB on social media that said, you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm. And the same thing applies to OBs. They want a C-section. It's most cases it's faster. You're in and out of there in 45 minutes. The baby is done. They have more, you know, the, the birth is done. They have more control over the situation. My situation was not as typical where there were a lot of errors and things that happened in it. But that doesn't mean that the woman leaves unscathed. And that was one of the things a friend of ours who used to work in labor and delivery said. She she said something to the effect of, you know, these doctors make these decisions without consenting the mother. They're doing what's best for them. They're not doing what's best for the mother. And so as we went into our second birth experience, you and I really leaned into the Lord and understanding his creation so that we could go into this um, from a different perspective. And I know he laid it on my heart to have been at home naturally. He just kept saying to me, you're going to have this baby at home and he's going to be born and everything's going to be great and it's going to be beautiful. Um, even though the Lord said that, I still went to an OB. <laughs> I went to a the VBAC guy in town and every time that I went to an appointment, it was like the Lord was like, what are you doing here? You know, he was on, uh, he was kind of like the the shoulder conversation, right? Every time he'd be like, what are you doing here? I told you that you need to stay home. So what are you doing? <laughs> Go home. And eventually I did. There was finally one appointment that you and I went to together and we were walking out. And I said, I'm never coming back here. Mm. I'm not coming back. So that was when we sought a home birth midwife, a midwife that attends uh, birth at home. And at that time, I also realized I needed to, we needed to do things differently. We needed to not only depend on the Lord and he was leading us to learn about birth, which meant we couldn't rely on a midwife the same way we relied on doctors. Mm -hmm. We didn't we just want to replace one with the other. We didn't want to just replace one with the other because that didn't make sense, mm -mm. right? We needed to educate ourselves on what happens, and that was when I read Anna May Gaskin's book. Now, mind you, I did not read the first section, which is birth stories, because I also took the Hypno Babies class. Um, now, I took Hypno Babies official, if you want to refer to it that way. There's a lot of Hypno birthing books and classes and stuff. And listen, we haven't gotten into whether hypnobirthing is new age or not. Um, but I just want to say that it did help help both of us. It was great for both of us. You took it too. It. I loved it. Their coursework, first of all, has nothing to do with hypnosis. It's just literally educational material about birth. That helped me so much. The way that they explained the way that the uterus works and how it's two muscles. There's a muscle at the top that pushes during labor to push the baby down. There is a mu the muscle that's on the bottom closer towards your cervix that tightens. And if you are under stress, if you're stressed out, if you don't release, it will tighten and your baby won't come out because you're tightening up. So just the coursework alone was helpful, but then it's all about reframing your mindset. So... I mentioned this, I believe it was actually back in episode two, 
where I talked about hypnobabies for the first time and said, our minds are like computers. We store files in our brains, whether it's on our uh, conscious level or on a subconscious level. And when it comes to birth, there's no different, you know, from the time that we're little girls until we grow up, we're hearing birth stories, we're watching them on TV. Hollywood loves to make birth seem wacky and painful and however they make it out to seem, or like your water breaks and then rush her to the emergency room and then, oh, here comes a baby. It's so dramatic. And so one of the things that they say in hypnobabies is do not watch traditional birth stories. Don't watch birth on TV. Don't watch birth on Instagram unless it's a hypnobabies birth. Because what you do in hypnobabies is you delete files and you reframe files and you retrain your brain and how it thinks about birth. And that is that birth is normal. Birth is something created by the Lord. Your body can do it. Natural, healthy, and safe. Safe, yes. Natural, healthy, and safe. It's you're supposed to reprogram the whole, all of your ideas about birth. And if you were to watch those crazy stories or hear about other people's experiences, you're programming yourself in that way. Yes. And exactly. so your whole thing is that you're working for months, literally months, mm-hmm. trying yeah, to three reprogram months. three months and, this and program rewrite is. your ideas. And that's why you'll hear us talk about your birthing time instead of labor. Yes. Because labor is work. It sounds hard. Mm-hmm. Um, birthing time is what it is. It's beautiful. Um, you don't say contractions, you say birthing waves. Um, and that's why we won't say a due date, we say a guest date, because we can make an estimate on when we think a baby's going to come, but that's really just a guess. They're not due on that date and late if it comes after that date. You know, some gestations should be shorter or longer. And so those are yeah. just three small things yeah. that are really significant. When you think about it, you know, you really do rewrite your ideas of birth. I love that you know this stuff. I loved hypnobabies. <laughs> I think everyone should take hypnobabies. I highly recommend it to anyone. Um, and the man goes through it too. Um, I didn't listen to the tracks like you did. There's one man track. <laughs> man track. Um, that I listened to a bunch of times. Partner track. And yeah, the partner track. And it was like, it's again, like, you're supposed to reframe and think about and relax. And it really is about relaxation. If, mm-hmm. if I was going to sum the whole thing up in one word, it would be relaxation. Because the whole idea is that you don't want to be in that heightened adrenaline rush state. Mm-hmm. You want to be in a calm, controlled, loving, intimate state. Yeah. And that's the difference. I might even throw out there surrender. Surrender it's too. It's also about surrendering to the experience and just letting it happen. Mm. Let birth happen. Don't try to control the situation. Don't add drugs into the situation. Just surrender to the situation. Surrender your body. The Your body knows what to do. God created it to give birth. You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to push. There is something called fetal ejection reflex, F-E-R, they call it. And that is when the baby will literally just come out because guess what? Your uterus is contracting. Those muscles are pushing the baby down and out. And so we, hypnobabies was such a game changer for us. We also- I'm glad you said drugs. I want to go back to that for just a second. So again, you know, we're not giving medical advice, but 
I wanted to mention about the epidural. Mm. Something that we did not know until I looked at the bag, um, the IV bag, is that an epidural, at least the one that you received, is fentanyl. Mm -hmm. And that's the drug that you hear all over the news that people are dying from every day, that people are overdosing. Um, It's synthetic heroin, Mm -hmm. and it's being put in heroin, and people think that they're getting a bag of heroin, and then they overdose and die. Mm. because it's so strong Mm. and that's what is an epidural so i'm not you know don't really have to say anything else about it about how it disconnected you from your body and you couldn't feel when your birthing waves were coming and you maybe couldn't tense your muscles to push the Mm. right way they kept saying that yeah so all those things aside it's that's like a lethal drug to a lot of people there's also a lot of evidence that it can cause issues with breastfeeding after because your baby it even though it's not being injected into your baby it is still getting to the baby when the baby is still attached to the umbilical cord if the baby is still inside of you so a lot of babies are very lethargic for days after being born because they are getting this in their system Um, some women end up becoming addicted to painkillers after birth having c-sections too because not only are you on this drug fentanyl during the epidural but if you have a c-section you are also given prescription pain medication after to recover from the c-section and that can create dependencies too so there's a lot of layers to to the medicalization part of it that can disconnect you further even further out from just the initial surgery so i'm glad you pointed that out so that led us down natural roads right um hypno babies ina may gaskin's book we also read a book called home birth on your own terms because i wanted to learn about emergency situations and scenarios in the event that we needed to know things about that that led me down kind of learning about new herbs our midwife had also told me hey red raspberry leaf tea you know, if you're just drinking a cup of it, it's not going to do anything. You need to drink a lot of it. And that was when I researched red raspberry leaf tea. And I learned that red raspberry leaf tea tones your uterus. I like to say um, it's like doing crunches for your uterus. (laughs) It tones it. And so what, that's why sometimes when you drink red raspberry leaf tea, if you drink enough of it, you actually will feel like you're having contractions or you're having cramps. And that's because it is contracting. And I learned that that's a good thing because it's warming up your uterus for birth. And a lot of women say that things like red raspberry leaf tea, the enzymes from pineapple and dates are three superfoods basically that can help your labor to go a little bit faster. So I was crazy about the red raspberry tea. I was she was so much crazy about it. You <laughs> drank so much. She would brew it. So we got this huge bag in yeah. the mail, right? Yeah. It had to be like 50 pounds of red raspberry It wasn't 50 pounds. It was one pound. (laughs) One pound. But one pound of leaves. So it was a big bag of leaves. And you would brew these big things, like a gallon of water. It was crazy the amount of stuff that you put in there. And you also did nettle. And what was the other one? Um, Well, I would mix it with hibiscus because it would give it good flavor. I did do some other. Sometimes I would do nettle, but not always because nettle is kind of bitter. 
You I, drank so much I did. of that stuff. Though. Hey, I'll link <laughs> I'll link the red raspberry leaf tea in the show notes that I really like the flavor of. I actually have red raspberries and red raspberry leaves growing in our garden and have started to dry my own and make my own. It's been kind of nice ever since, but I was pregnant in the winter when this was happening, mm. so I didn't have any. I, I had to purchase leaves. But I learned, and so I would actually drink until I would start to feel like I was having contractions, and then I would tell them, like, yeah, it's working. It's working. It's working. It's working. So I saw things totally different the second time around. I saw prodromal labor as productive versus, mm. oh, my gosh, I can't Warm believe up. that this is happening. Oh, this is so annoying. I loved having prodromal labor because I knew that it meant my body was preparing and that it was going to be a fast birthing time when it came because my body was preparing so i had probably three to four weeks of predominant labor with ben meaning i was having i'd have contractions sometimes you know some people call it braxton hicks but i don't really like that term because it was you know named after a man but that's just me (laughs) (laughs) but i really just i learned to embrace everything that the Lord was throwing at us during this time. And so again, we mentioned that I was going to a midwife. I felt like I had a great connection with her. She did teach me a lot of things. She taught me about red raspberry leaf, but she, you know, she's working under a license, just like anybody in the medical field is working under a license. You have to do certain things a certain way in order to maintain your license. And so she had to send me to, um, high-risk obstetrics to go have my c-section scar checked at 35 weeks to make sure it was thick enough to be back on and wouldn't you know the ob was at the hospital where i gave birth to our daughter and that was crazy to i had not been back there since i had the catheter removed she also had not received my full operations report. So she had all the summary reports. She It said on there I had hysterotomy extensions and the, she knew about the bladder injury and everything. Um, but I hadn't got the actual report. And so I said, when I go to this other appointment, I will go and get my records myself and give them to you since they weren't sending her what she had been asking for. So I go to this appointment. They check my scar. Uh, they don't tell me the number because they're supposed to tell me in centimeters or something like that how how thick the scar was. And the lady wrote on the paper, thick enough. I love that. That's the technical term. Thick enough. It's, the scar is thick enough. But you know, going to that appointment, the Lord was so clear that I was healed. I knew that my body was healed. I knew it because he created our bodies to heal. When we get a cut, it heals. It takes time, but it heals. And by this point... Our daughter had already turned two, so I was like 20, 23, or 25, like 26 years, yeah. months post-C-section. I knew Plenty that I was healed. So they actually say, you know, I, I mentioned that I waited until I was 18 months post-C-section. I've since read articles that say that at six months, most people are healed. Again, I'm not going to give medical advice about this, but just interesting that most people are healed at six months. So 18 months or 25 months, 26 months, definitely healed. I knew it was going to be thick enough. <laughs> I knew, yeah. If it was half as thick as your head, I knew we were good. <laughs> we were good. Good Becky's to go. Becky's tough. Anybody who knows Becky, you are tough. Tough cookie. I knew yeah. that you were good. Yeah, yeah. That you were going to heal up. We gave you plenty of time. Yeah. You'd recovered from worse things. You've, <laughs> you've been there and back. 
I've definitely had some injuries. I have a nice scar on my shoulder from a time where I broke my collarbone into three places and had had a fun time with that one. Mike and I were to, actually Mike's ring is made of the plate from my shoulder injury. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Interesting, fun fact. We'll tell you about that more later. Yeah, it's another so, time for another day. <laughs> so I knew that I was healed, but this, you know, even the midwife said going into it, she's like, they're going to try to scare you out of having a home birth because they don't well, they don't like home births. They're doctors. They want you to have, and people that are worked in the medical field have seen it. They've been through it. You know, they see the worst of the worst. So mm-hmm. it's, I can understand their perspective. I understand where they're coming from when they've seen people almost die or they've seen so the woman that actually uh, checked my scar had watched someone have a uterine rupture. So, of oh. course, that's going to stick with her. Oh, yeah. But how many patients did she see that before she saw a uterine rupture was the woman on Pitocin? You know, there's a lot of things that were not shared in her experience. It was just, I saw this happen. I saved her baby okay, kind of thing. So she, you know, tried to scare me and, and all that. I obviously wasn't because I knew that I was healed and, and everything like that. And yeah. So as I, I don't even want to go into the Rogam stuff. I'll just, I'll keep it brief. Mm-hmm. She recommended that I still do it even though I was allergic and said, well, if you decide to have a home birth, <laughs> just come in and we'll have the drug set up for you when you have your allergic reaction. And I was like, lady, you must have never had an allergic reaction in your life because if you did, you would never volunteer to have one. No way. And I just, I felt like that was so insensitive, but that's just my own opinion. Anyway, I'd never risk, I'd never risk anaphylaxis. It's no, it, it's, it ain't no joke, especially when you just had a baby. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so as I'm leaving, she says, is there anything else that I can do for you? And I mentioned that we had not gotten the operations report. And I said, what's the best way for me to get my medical records? She's like, oh, you have to call on the phone to request your records. And I thought, that's weird. I know that there's medical records in the hospital. I'll just go down there, you know. So I walk out. I go downstairs. And I get my records in five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it was. Well, during that time, I, I got them. I took a picture of the page. I texted it to our midwife. And during that time, this doctor called our midwife to tell her, oh, I heard you never got her report. Did you know that it says on her report, not a candidate for TOLAC, which means trial of labor after cesarean? She has hysterotomy extensions. I'm going to scare you away from this patient. I'm going to scare you away. And also, just to like really comment on the not a candidate for TOLAC, that was really... That could have been a stamp of like, you will never have a natural birth. That's yeah. what that meant. Yeah, it was. I won't, I don't recommend you ever have a natural birth. Mm-hmm. That's what that said. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, thank you. It was We're going to really, go a different way. It was definitely scary when that whole thing was going on for the first, you know, couple of hours because it was like, they're trying to, not only did they make a mistake when this surgery happened that they forced me into but now we're gonna make sure that you're stuck with us forever mm. you're that's kind of how it felt you're dependent yeah. yeah yeah you have to have a surgery you can't have a baby naturally and yeah. if you remember the doctor um the ob was like oh i knew your birth canal seemed real small i did i thought you were oh, gonna yeah, have trouble that's right yeah. she she did make some oh, sort yeah. of comment like that right? yeah she did 
it was definitely a really not a fun time and then our midwife got really freaked out about it and I understand where she's coming from because again she has to maintain her license and if something happens under her watch you know that's her reputation she's fairly new to midwifery for a couple of you know first couple of years here in town and she'd only had maybe I think she said I don't even want to name names but she had a couple of VBACs before she hadn't run into this yet so I understand where she's coming from you know I'm not gonna there's no need for me to be upset with her position I need to be understanding of her position and Mike and I both felt that you know we both felt that we knew she was not going to feel comfortable moving forward she kind of was like I need to think on this we knew it was coming and we knew it was coming took a couple of days so something else I want to throw out there I haven't mentioned this yet but we hired a doula for our second our second birth which was not something we did the first time I highly highly recommend having a doula Mm. a doula's role is to support you during your birth it's to build a relationship with you to uphold your birth plan when you have a birth plan to comfort you during labor to just be there for you and your family and to be there for to be your advocate and to do the things so your husband can focus on you she's the one that's advocating for you our doula is a believer and Mm. she's amazing and she we knew from the moment that we met her and she was just so warm and wonderful person. we could talk to app for with her for hours and we did and we did many, <laughs> many times and we still do <laughs> and she came over the next day after that appointment and after and i was all upset you know kind of like crying telling her this story and she's like there's nothing to worry about the lord is with us hmm. and i was like oh my gosh you're right <laughs> yeah. you are right yeah she just was such a calming piece and just reminding us that we were in this partnership with the Lord. You know, we were in it with him. What did our pastor say just this morning? I, I wrote it down. Let me see if I can find what verse it was. First Corinthians, I believe it was. Do you remember that verse where he said, we are in partnership with the Lord? You know, that. We're ambassadors for Christ, basically. Yeah, that's our job. That's our job is to be ambassadors. It's not just what you do at work. You're also an ambassador for the Lord. Yeah, and I really feel like her, our doula's extension of Christ was her being an ambassador for the Lord and just reminding us. And I think we feel the same way too, you know. And so some other areas where god led us was to join facebook groups i joined a couple of home birth groups that also were unassisted home home birth with a midwife or unassisted so i learned all about what that was like to have an unassisted birth or a free birth i thought those people were crazy (laughs) i thought they were nutbags um and then i became one (laughs) so that's it's you know you can never say never right but i learned so much from them about how to how to handle different scenarios and just how to really so many of these women were faith-based and just like you gotta give it up to the lord he's gonna get you through this just ask him for guidance ask the holy spirit for guidance so these were some of the things that we did to prepare you know we prepared we got some herbs ready there are some amazing herbs that god has created just a reminder god created all the plants out there in the world that we use and that medicine then took and tried to recreate in a lab Mm. so if you're feeling like when i say the word herbs it kind of is a little crunchy a little granola 
granola is the OG Lord's work, right? The great <laughs> I physician. I like to think about, you know, when you think about herbs and holistic medicines and things like that, you know, what do we eat? We eat God's creation too. Yeah. He made plants and animals for us to eat mm-hmm. and they nourish our bodies. It only makes sense that there would be some other plants that do things beyond nourish us. Like maybe they replace vitamins and minerals that we were deficient in or maybe they fix different problems and things like that so i think yeah. that's really important to remember yeah think of what plants do for our bodies day to day just to eat day them, to day yep and then they can also be medicinal exactly just like dandelion root oh, man mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. guys want to go down a real and rabbit hole, that's a weed right if you guys want to go down a real rabbit hole look up the truth about dandelion roots we have been convinced that dandelions are this horrible ugly weed dandelions are amazing and my dad hates dandelions he like, does like he's been convinced you know you want a green lawn <laughs> dandelions are like the enemy little do you know if you let dandelions grow you dug up some dandelions the root of a dandelion is unbelievable it's huge it's a huge root under there it's a teeny tiny flower but it is amazing what comes what's growing underneath the surface the purpose of dandelions you guys is to clean the soil so dandelions pop up when if your soil in your yard is not at the right alkaline level it has problems with it dandelions come and they scrub and they clean so if you see dandelions in your yard it's because something is up with your soil and it's correcting it it's actually fixing it and dandelion root the root of the dandelion it cleans our livers and it clears out our livers so these are just this is one example but there are many other herbs that do different things just like red raspberry leaf happens to have some components inside of it that are great for women for the uterus so there's some great stuff out there shepherd's purse and angelica are some that are talked about a lot in the birth communities also chlorophyll oh the chlorophyll (laughs) so this is like a funny lighthearted part of she took chlorophyll right after ben was born and i didn't mix it with anything i just didn't mix it it with anything she's like i'm hardcore i'll just (laughs) stick this right in my mouth and her whole mouth was green her teeth were green she looked like a swamp monster it was so funny the truth is you're supposed to mix it with coconut water but i don't particularly enjoy coconut so i just wanted to take the coconut swig fast and the chlorophyll swig fast and not have to drink it for a long time. And yeah, I had green tea. She was just smiling at us like, oh, this is great. And we were all, oh, it was so funny. It tastes like mint. So I thought it would be gross too to mix coconut and mint. Seems pretty gross to me. But my mom was taking pictures. She thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> so it was a very different experience for us going into this second time. You know, again, we went through all of these different things together. We both got on the same page that we were going to do this together. When our midwife finally gave us the final call, uh, we made the decision we are going to move forward anyway, and we are going to have this baby at home. And we were part. We partnered with each other. And uh, Daddy Michael over here, he did his research on how to cut the cord, on what to expect during labor, post labor, all that good stuff. Um, looked up, you know, what he needed to know about his end of the bargain and he was responsible for the birth pool too yeah so <laughs> we purchased I would say our own going into this i 
It was not my plan to have a home birth. It was definitely your idea in the beginning, but I was on board with you. I knew that we would have a better, healthier, more controlled experience if we did it together mm-hmm. like we did. Um, so even though it wasn't my idea from the onset that we would have a VBAC at home, I was good with that. And then when finally in the, in the 11th hour that our midwife dropped out on us, hopefully you would agree. Like I definitely was just unfazed. I was like, this has been our plan from the beginning. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. Well, we're you still going to do this. My conviction, you knew yeah. that I was convicted to have a home birth and that that was what the Lord was calling me to do. Yeah. And even though I even felt like I didn't know if I could stick to what the Lord was telling me, you were the one that was like, no, he's convicted you to do this. Don't forget yeah, that. We're not going to, we're not going to change our plan now. Cause this, it, mind we you guys, this, this is far. 36 weeks that this is going on and I had already been having prodrominal labor. So, you know, we knew it was, we coming. were so close. We were so far along mm-hmm. and I just felt like that was our plan and that we were going to stick to it. And yeah. we did. Yeah. And we needed to, we needed to do that. And it was really like a redemption for us to have this experience that we did. Yeah. Um, and the things that I had to study. So the main concern was that something goes wrong. You know, obviously that's why people are saying, go, just go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the recommendation from the midwife was, you know, I'm not saying that you can't have a VBAC, but do it at the hospital just in case, you know, everyone's afraid of something going wrong. And so my main concern, everyone's main concern would be, what if something goes wrong? What could happen? And the the biggest thing that I learned was to look for bleeding. And the amount of bleeding would be filling up a cup, you know, a measuring cup. Mm -hmm. If you're filling up a cup or two, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. If it's less, then, you know, you're probably in a good zone. And you don't want to see the cord first. You know, there were certain things that were just red flags. Sure. And so we didn't say like, we're having this baby hell or high water. We knew that there were things that if we needed to pull the rip cord, we would go. Mm -hmm. But that we needed to be prepared for that. Yeah. And then, you know, how to catch the baby and how to cut the cord and, and do all that. I mean, that's how I earned the nickname Midwife Mike. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. And it was really special to really like do it on our own like Mm -hmm. we were in our house upstairs this was our this was our time you know like we we did it together and there was nobody that was going to tell us no there was nothing that was going to get in the way there was just we just that was the conviction you know you talk about how you were convicted and that was it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. It reminds me of the story in Matthew 15. Um, and it's the story of the faith of a Canaanite woman. And so I'm going to read this passage real quick. It starts at verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre, Tyre and Sid- Sidon. I'm so bad at pronunciation of biblical things, so I apologize. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away 
for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, please help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed in that moment. And it just reminds me that nothing is too big for God. He created us women to give birth. He made us for this. And when the OB we first were going to the OB and it just didn't seem right. It was like he was saying, do you trust me? And when the midwife backed out, the Lord was saying, do you trust me? Kind of reminds me of that scene in Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) Do you trust me? You know? And then the days before Ben was born, we went through some spiritual warfare stuff, Mike and I. And it was the devil trying to pull us apart, the enemy trying to pull us apart. In that moment, we were getting so close to experiencing this amazing thing, this amazing experience that God created, our our beings. And the enemy tried to swoop in at the last hour, the final hours, and, and snatch that away. And even during that was a moment of, do you trust me? So... We alluded to this on the last episode with Rachel and left on a big cliffhanger. And now we're leaving people on this cliffhanger for this whole episode until we got to this. But I'll share kind of briefly, you know, it's semi-private stuff, but I think it's important for all of us to be open about spiritual warfare and how we're all attacked. And it was basically as we went into the final week or so before Ben came, some I just kind of felt unsettled. Something didn't feel right. And I didn't know my mom had come into town a week before his um, guest date. And I didn't know if maybe my mom coming in, maybe it was the Lord saying, you know, you guys were supposed to do this together. It was not. That was not the case. My mom was supposed to be here. She's actually the one that took all the photos and videos. So glad she was here. I'm so glad she was here. She was amazing. It was so amazing for her to be a part of that experience with us. And it was something else. Um, one, Mike and I are very open with each other about things. And one night his phone got passed to him and I happened to see like it swiped down as it was handed to me. And there's some app I hadn't seen before and I click on it. And it, <laughs> it was, it, it wasn't intended to be any sort of nefarious app, but there was like some women on it that seemed a little sketchy. And I was like, this is weird. And so we talked about it and Anyway, we kind of moved on from that, but it still kind of sat with me. Like something wasn't right about it. And so every day I kind of ask him like, is there something that I need to know? Is there something I need to know? And he's like, no. (laughs) And literally, I'm not even, not even kidding. The day that Ben was born, the day he, I, the day he was born. That morning. I was awoken in the early wee hours, like four or five in the morning to a voice and the voice said you need to get out of bed and go look at mike's phone and look at files i thought what a weird thing and specific what a like files who keeps files on an iphone (laughs) (laughs) you know and i didn't want to do it 
I sat there for a minute and my heart was racing, you know, where right about you're when you're right about to find something out for the first time, how your heart races and you feel sick. That's how I felt. And then I did it. I got up and I walked around the bed and I opened his phone and I clicked on files and boom. It was like his phone had cookied him on a couple websites and they were pornography websites. And this was old information. Like it was backdated from months before. So it wasn't something that was, you know, current. And I immediately, of course, was like, whoa, because we had an agreement in our marriage. That was not something that we are, that we take part in. Of course, I was very upset. I woke him up from a dead sleep. What is going on? And we start talking about it. And I didn't realize in that moment that it was spiritual warfare. I just was upset about the situation. It wasn't until I had gone to a chiropractic appointment, came home and everything. While we were away, I went, I went to the appointment with my mom, by the way. And she, she, Mike said it was okay for me to tell her about the situation. I told her about it. She prayed with me about it. And we get back home and I went upstairs to change my pants because I felt like maybe I was leaking or something. And I sat on the toilet and my water was leaking, sure enough. And I called, who of all people? Rachel, my sister. And I told her what happened. And she said, this is a spiritual attack. The devil is trying to pull you and Mike apart right now and trying to separate the two of you. You are literally in your birthing time right now And he wants nothing more than to seek and destroy. And he wants to destroy your trust in Mike. And in this moment, this is what you guys need more than anything. Can you extend some pre-forgiveness? Can you extend some grace to him so that you can get through this today? And I was like, yes, I can. And I called Mike and he came into the bathroom and I'm still, my water's leaking and he was so upset about the situation and so repentant about the situation and was like, I'm so sorry. You know, I, 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 this was something that I wanted to tell you about, but I didn't know how, you know, and I haven't been doing this recently, but it's just, you know, something that I wanted to tell you about. I'm glad that it's out now that it's out in the light and we can, you know, pray together and work through it. And any, and anyway, so I prayed over Mike and then we prayed together we also anointed our doorways and all the spaces that we were going to be um, having this birth. But it was just such a powerful moment. And I'm so grateful that Rachel was able to remind us that that was what was going on. And I know that this is definitely uncomfortable for Mike to talk about because this is a very personal thing. But I think also one of the reasons you wanted to talk about it was because you know that this is something that other men go through and that that type of stuff is spiritual warfare. It is the devil trying to tempt you into something because we talk about this kind of in a joking way that not only did the devil tempt him and pull him into a temptation, but then he ratted on him. Yeah. He rat. he told me ratting on yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I want to give a shout out to Rachel and say, <laughs> thank you, Rachel. I love you, sister. You... Your pre-trust that made that day, made that day. It mm-hmm. could have been destroyed. Yeah. It could have been it destroyed. Could have. Like the enemy would have won mm-hmm. if you were like, I don't want to see you. Like get away from me, yeah. you know? And 
thank God your sister said the opposite. It was like, listen, yeah. like you need to, yeah, this is bad. You'll deal with it. But this is your birthing time. Like it was that morning. It was that morning. You woke yep. me up at 4 or 5 a.m. Yeah. The day that our son was born. Yep. So this was like the, the day. that day. The day. And I was thankful for it because I felt like it w- was a turning point mm. where this happened before the birth and now there's a before and an after. And that was the most significant piece of how, yes, the enemy wants to seek and destroy mm. and and ruin my life, ruin my soul mm-hmm. by tempting me in. But the worst part and the part that really like ticks me off a bit and makes me feel more convicted to like share this story to do better in my own life is that he tempted me in and then got me in trouble. It was like a frame, like you framed me. And that I just, it was so dirty. That's just so dirty. That's how it works. But that's how it works. He's not on your side. He doesn't care about your pleasure. No. He doesn't care about anything. He He wants to destroy you. He does. And that it just was the dirtiest, filthiest thing that ever could have been done. Mm. But I'm thankful for it because it, it just convicted me more. It just made me be like, why would you go along with that? Mm -hmm. And so that's really that. That I hope that like anyone listening can wrap their mind around that of being tempted, trying to ruin your life, and then once being you're being sucked in, then even turning on you and like getting you in trouble <laughs> for for going along with what he tried to make you do, mm-hmm. and that goes for anything with pornography drug addiction you know any sin that we do it's to it's to ruin you it's to destroy you to destroy you yeah and that's something that i've really been learning now after going through this experience looking at it through a spiritual lens because it's something that honestly i grew up with you know people are exposed very young i was exposed very young um, as like a little boy, basically. Hmm. And it was just kind of like a regular thing that I didn't think much of for a long time. And now looking at it through a spiritual lens, you realize what sin is. And I think reading through at our church right now, we're going through the book of Matthew. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing that really like is a game changer and really like you can point to to say that it's wrong and that sexual sin is wrong and things like that are wrong is the verse about anyone who even looks at a woman in lust has already committed adultery. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't want to get stuck on the word adultery because I don't even really know how to define it. You know, people say it's cheating on a spouse and maybe that's true, but even for a single man, if if you're so much as looking lustfully in that dirty way mm-hmm. that's how you know that it's there's something wrong there mm-hmm. you know and that that really spoke to me that verse really speaks and to me and why is that what is the in, you know how are we in what is our commandment for how we should 
I don't know how to ask this question <laughs> to you, but well, it's, it's what, cause in some ways I want to answer it, but I also want to ask you from a male perspective, you know, that there is a reason that God created us to be in an intimate intimacy in marriage. And, you know, obviously you and I both are not perfect people and had experiences outside of our marriage before you know we were together and so we've both had to reconcile with that and we've both Rachel and I talked about soul ties with previous partners and you and I have had to go through um, some of that stuff to separate previous soul ties from our both of our pasts and I think you and I are both coming to the realization together of just how important and how beautiful our sexual relationship is the intimacy between us as a married couple and how you know all those little thi- all those little things all those little sins it's they separate us from each other not only do they separate us from god mm. which is the most important but they separate us from each other too exactly um rachel mentioned in episode three that there is a war going on a war for our souls and there's nothing that the devil wants more than to steal the soul our souls but also the souls of our children and one of the biggest ways that he does that is through divorce and through parents that can't get along and trust issues you know so let's say that i didn't allow the lord to lead in that situation and i just stuck with how i felt and said oh forget you i don't want you around you know you're sneaking around behind my back and I would just be creating an uh, uh, open, an open gaping hole for the devil to come for my children. And that to me was the thing that I didn't want was, you know, I knew that neither of us are perfect. Everybody makes mistakes and I knew that we needed to work through it together. So, and I'm glad we did because we went into our birthing time and our son was born into the, his daddy's arms, into his daddy's hands, and it was perfect. It was uh, just an amazing experience. I am a huge now advocate for physiological birth because it is beautiful. And there was definitely a moment where I thought, maybe I can't, how long is this going to happen? Like, can I do this? And <laughs> in that moment, <laughs> I just looked into Mike's eyes. Like, I stared into his soul. And I remember the moment. (laughs) I remember. And then the baby came down, and I felt him come down, and I felt the rest of my water break, and then his head came out, and I could feel his little hair in the water. It was amazing, and you know, and then I had to sit back so he didn't get shot into the bottom of the pool, and he was born, and it was just, it was amazing. Got out of the water got into our bed to birth the placenta so that we could monitor blood loss, make sure everything was good. And baby boy stayed on attached to his cord and placenta for about an hour or so. And um, I went and took a shower at one point and just enjoyed being at home. It was beautiful. I am definitely an advocate. If you know, if this is something you're interested in, by the way, and you ever want to chat about it, just shoot me a message. My Instagram handles the radiant mission. And I love talking about this. I'm very passionate about natural birth because I see how beautiful it is in this creation. And 
you know, some of the takeaways I just want to throw out there are that God is bigger than our trauma and he's bigger than our fears. He's bigger than birth. He's bigger than medical procedures. He's bigger than all of it. When we trust him, even when it's hard or when it's inconvenient, or even when the world or our friends and our family are telling us no, we need to stick to what the Lord is convicting of us. And not everybody's going to have the same convictions. You know, I'm never going to say, you need to do it this way. You need to follow what the Lord is telling you. That is my my biggest thing in this conversation is it's about allowing the Lord to guide your life. Don't follow my path. Guide, let the Lord guide you. But also be very aware of the medical system and what's happening inside of it because there is a lot of corruption. There are a lot of good people. There are a lot of people that care and want to help people, but there is a lot of corruption as well. And also always remember that you know, when you upset that balance in God's creation, the physiological balance with our own internal chemicals, that other things can happen. So my mission is not to tell everybody to have a home birth. (laughs) My mission is really just to encourage you to listen to the Lord. If he has placed a seed of doubt inside of you about how the hospitals handle birth, then water that seed with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. But when you ask, this is a a Bible verse from James I want to share, James 1, 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So, you know, it's about that unwavering faith. And, you know, there's another, there's a story, of course, most of us know the story of Sarah who couldn't have a child. She was past childbearing years, but she had the ultimate faith because God had told the Lord had told her like you're going to bear a child and she never she never backed down from that she was faithful to his promises so as we close you know I just want to encourage you to seek the Lord that's really the biggest thing what any any kind of final thoughts here yeah I want to mention that there are two times that I can remember being a grown man and crying like a baby (laughs) and the most amazing tears you know the first was on our wedding day that i cried like a baby my life was over i knew that was it no i was i was so happy to be there and the other time was when ben was born and i remember the moment of him like literally popping out and catching our son Mm. and putting him on your chest and I just cried because I was so relieved I was so happy and excited and it was truly a redemption story Mm. that the first time was so hard and traumatic and this time we did it together and we made it happen the way that we wanted it to happen and we were blessed with the way we didn't make it happen but i get what you mean you know what i mean (laughs) yeah and it was just such an amazing time and i think that's what i really want to speak to anyone who had a bad time the first go around Mm -hmm. that every birth every pregnancy is its own yeah it's a new opportunity it can get better yeah it can be a new opportunity and it's a new time to just trust the Lord for guidance and yeah. Awesome. I love it. 
Well, we hope that you found this episode helpful in your journey, wherever you are. Thank you for listening to our story and for allowing us to be on this journey with you too. If you'd like to follow along outside this podcast, you can join the mission on Instagram at The Radiant Mission. And of course, you can watch this podcast in video format if you want to see us chatting with each other. (laughs) (laughs) On YouTube, you can search by my name, Rebecca Toomey, spelled like the number two, T-W-O-M-E-Y, or by searching The Radiant Mission. And I'd like to close with the first part of Matthew, which ironically, I had planned this before today and this morning we heard this verse at church so it's kind of funny it's matthew 17 30 truly i tell you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible for you wishing you a radiant week and we'll see you next week bye bye